Hello, folks. Welcome to another edition of Football Theory right here on On Texas Football. Thank you guys for joining us. I am Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. I am joined by fellow football theorists, also the author of America's War Game on Substack, also member of Inside Texas and the On Texas family, On Texas Football family is my man, Ian Boyd. What's going on, Ian? How you doing, brother? Going good. You know, up here in Michigan, it's not so hot. Sorry, it's starting to cool down. Dude, I used to live in, I lived in Dearborn. What part of Michigan you in? I don't say, this is freestyling, guys. We did not rehearse this. What part of Michigan you in? Wait, you live in Dearborn now or you used to? I lived in Dearborn when I played oh, okay. the Lions. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little, I'm a like Ypsilanti, Ann Arbor. Okay. All right. Yeah, man. I enjoyed my time in Michigan. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought it was fun. It's a, be- it's a beautiful state. Did, Gorgeous, you ever go to that? did you ever go to, oh, what's it called? Al Shatila, I think. No, I ain't gonna lie. I didn't travel like I should have. I wish I did. It's in Dearborn. I went to the Ford Museum. They have the the Ford Museum is in there. That got stuff. Yeah. I wish I yeah I did. I didn't. I went to um. Oh man, I can't forget. It's the uh the name of like one of the sports bars there that's really famous. Chel- Chelly's from Chelios, uh, who's a member of the uh, the hockey team there, the Detroit Red Wings, famous guy. Anyway, but. Yeah, I hung out a lot in Detroit and hung out a lot in Dearborn. So, man, I didn't even know my man Ian Boyd was in Michigan. There you go. All right, a lot cooler up there, but it's hot down here uh, here in Texas. Trust me on that. It's going to be hot on game day. It's game week, so we're excited to break down rice. Yeah, I know that's weird to say. That's strange that we're excited to break down rice. Ian and I are probably the only people that's actually watching rice film. (laughs) I watched three rice games. I watched that Louisiana Tech game, broke it down, broke down the uh, the USC game, and also that Southern Miss game. Uh, So we'll get into it, and we'll get into it. But I got a question for my man Ian before we get started. Uh, what are the, the chances? What are the percentages? Because I know that you're an analytics guy. Right? You're a data scientist. What are, the, what are the percentages that this week and even last week that Sark was basically and the coaches were implementing Alabama material, you know, into the game, into the practice uh, periods and somehow into the meetings so the guys could get familiarized with the Alabama material. What is the likelihood, in your opinion, that that's happened last week and even during Rice that it's happening this week? They're preparing as much for Bama as they are for Rice. 100%. <laughs> you tell me, because I know Mac would always come out and be like, you can't, you got to treat every opponent equally, What blah, blah, blah. I, y'all had to have put in extra work for AM or Oklahoma. No question. Based on results, I would say AM for sure in Oklahoma. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, no doubt. I, I remember those weeks. The bi- First of all, the bye weeks. You remember the bye weeks when it's like, oh man, what are you doing in the bye week? Are you preparing for the next opponent? How are you using the extra week? That extra week was always, depending on where it was, uh, it was always either for, like you said, AM. Or for Oklahoma, one of those opponents is after that bye week. So that's a that's one easy example of it. But we didn't have a lot of we didn't have a lot of big time non conference games back then. I can't remember a game that was big time back then. Back then, Ian, we didn't do what they do what they do now, where they you know schedule those big time non conference games with powerhouse blue bloods. That was not happening when I was on campus. I I wish it did. It would have been amazing. But I don't remember any of those games. I I remember Louisiana Lafayette and. Tulane and, and North Texas. I Maybe not, Arkansas. Or, yeah, Arkansas. You're right. Arkansas was one of them. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I, yeah, I I 
That was, that was, I was a young buck then. I was a young buck. <laughs> well, I, I remember that that game, ninety nine, right? That was uh, was that was that ninety nine? No, that was early. We played them in the bowl game in ninety nine, actually. Uh, there's a late, there's a one in those early aughts where Houston Nut rolled in. Oh, you're right about that. They did the photo right. horns down in midfield. I want to say, oh. yeah, two thousand three, maybe. So, like, okay, just after you left. Yeah, no, you're right. So we didn't do this though. This was a, this is a new thing, playing these powerhouse non-conference opponents like blue bloods i think it's great by the way but it's it's, re- it's a relatively new thing but anyway i agree with ian i think all longhorn fans i think the longhorns have been preparing for bama last week with that free week this week versus rice and next week i think it's been a three-week thing preparing for bama and i'm with you i think even all most of the game plans have been bama they may there's no need to really emphasize rice because you should beat rice with your kind of basic principles and your basic personnel and your basic concepts. All right, let's get right to it. Let's start breaking down rice because we're, we're some of the only people that's doing it. Okay, so let me, I want to know your thoughts about this because I've heard uh, Marquis Tuiasasopo, who's the offensive coordinator there, been the offensive coordinator there for the last two years. I've heard him say they want to pound the rock and they want to run the football. And to me, that would be a fool's errand versus Texas, who was one of the best rush defenses in the country last season. I mean, Texas actually, you look at, yards per rush allowed uh texas was 23rd in the country uh last year in yards per rush allowed i think they were 33rd in yard rushing yards per game allowed that's the strength of the team the actual weakness of the team if not weak there's maybe a liability of the defense it's actually the pass defense now, they were 90th in pass defense they were 100th in completion percentage allowed i wonder if tuiasa sopo early on as the oc will maybe pass to open up the run, not a vertical passing game downfield, but just a high percentage passing game, maybe quick game, screen passes, RPO. He said that he was brought there to rejuvenate and dive deeper into the RPO game for Rice. You got your highest rated signee in the history of the Rice Isles and JT Daniels, who's played at Texas before. Um, What are your thoughts? Do they just come out and try to run the football against Texas or – uh, am I a fool thinking maybe they might come out and try to pass to open up the run? Yeah, I mean, I think they will <clears throat> come back to the run game at some point in the game. Um, maybe like control clock, keep the score down, see if you can pound Benda, see if you can pound Burke, uh, see if Texas can fit the run properly when they have to play with a fullback on the field, all those things. But yeah, you didn't bring JT Daniels in to hand off to whoever their running back is, right? You brought him in to throw the ball to Luke McCaffrey. And uh, Jack Bradley, their tight end, is pretty good too. So, yeah, I think they, if they actually win the game it's, <laughs> it's, or, like, are competitive, competitive, yeah, it's because they threw the ball really effectively or because Texas showed up and had no idea how to fit, you know, power O or something, right? Something like yeah. that. Which is not going to happen, you know. So, no, I, I I love how you put it though. Like if they if they, if they're competitive, but you're right though about I, I I watched film on them and I wrote this down in my notes that their offense is modern, multiple, and malleable. They come out in damn near everything. You'll see them in eleven personnel, which is one back, one tight end, 12, 13, 22, 21. 
empty formation, condensed sets, compressed sets, bunch formations. I will admit, watching them, I thought, oh man, this rice, this is gonna be a stale kind of you know prosaic offense. No, they it's pretty, it's pretty multiple. They throw a lot of different looks at you. It's gonna be a nice test, I believe, actually, for the Texas defense early on. They're not gonna be overwhelmed by the athleticism of rice. They don't have that, but they'll test your discipline a little bit, they're gonna test your communication a little bit they'll test your ability to read your keys just a little bit it's almost like a glorified scrimmage for texas but rice will you know they'll burn you a couple of times if you are not disciplined uh in your run fits and like you said and if they come on 22 personnel uh, and they they want you to fit the run if you're not disciplined even against usc go watch the game they'll break one on you or two uh so i do like that the challenge they present for the texas defense a little bit you know in 2021 they uh they gave Texas fits at this play where they would they would run like an inside play. They'd be under center, and they would pitch the ball to their running back. So he would catch the ball in a pitch, but then he would just cut immediately upfield and run inside, like mm. inside zone, dive something. Yeah. And uh, it, it really messed with Texas. You could see the linebackers, they'd see the pitch. They'd just start sprinting to the edge, and then, oh, he'd go against the grain. They'll do all kinds of stuff to, you know – this it's the it's fitting for the rice owls. They're going to give Texas a bunch of geometry tests and, <laughs> and make lang, language text. Make sure you know all the checks in the playbook and everything. Yeah, no, they they literally call. I think that that, that their motto is intellectual brutality. Uh, and now they have a quarterback to kind of help them pull it off. A quarterback who was familiar with DKR because he played here uh, a couple of times. It, it, and going back to the past opener of the run, just a little quick stat. In 2021, Tui Asasopo became the offensive coordinator. Uh, the Rice passing game had their best passing offense since 2016. Um, and in 2022, uh, they had their best passing offense for Rice since 2008. They were 65th in the country, to give it context. But for them, they're, they're doing pretty well. And by the way, they had like four diff three different starting quarterbacks. They've, they've gone through three different starting quarterbacks every year that uh, Bloomgren has been there. For some reason, they got a really bad quarterback luck, man. Terrible quarterback luck. Um, but one of the things that's interesting, I think, with the upgrade at quarterback with JT Daniels, I wonder, and one of the things, they, they, their receiving court took a hit. Uh, they lost Bradley Rosner. Um, he was a North Carolina State transfer. He was a really good player for them. 6'5 guy, big target. Uh, they lost Isaiah Esdale, veteran player for them, uh, and Cedric Patterson. So three out of their kind of four best receivers they lost, but they still got Luke McCaffrey, and that's where we'll start. And if you're at Texas, it makes it easier in the game plan to stop uh, Luke McCaffrey because you don't have to worry about as many threats. You can bracket that guy inside, but – uh, they 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 utilize him and deploy him in so many ways. They put him in a the wildcat. They'll put him out wide. He's in the slot most of the time. And I, I do worry, though, with him in the slot, considering where he works, he's been lethal inside. Uh, pro football focus, how about this, gives you the grades on players and where they when they're targeted and where they're targeted. In between the numbers, he's got a 92, 91, 90 grade uh, in the short uh, intermediate and deep area in, in between the numbers we're talking about here. Uh, seven, he's, he's in the slot 70% over 70% of the time. And when he's targeted in the short intermediate area, zero to 10 yards, all right, from the line of scrimmage in between the numbers, he's got 12 forced missed tackles because they use him on these little short drag, these little, you know, drag routes, shallow drag routes, and he catches the ball and boom, he's able to break a tackle and turn, you know, a small, you know, insignificant catch into a big play. 
Uh, he's impressive for them. That's the guy they're going to try to get the football. Texas has got to make sure they know where he is at all times. At the very least, at least um, Texas plays Jade Barron in the nickel. And their near defensive player of the year last year, Mike Linebacker Jalen Ford, got there from picking off passes. Mm. So they're not quite as vulnerable to that as most teams, I would think, in this year. Although, I mean, last year they definitely were early in the year until they kind of tightened up. So it's going to be an interesting challenge. I'm curious to see what Rice does with Luke McCaffrey to try to free him up and where they think he can get open against Texas. Either that'll tell us something about where Texas might actually be weak that we didn't anticipate, or else it'll tell us something about where Texas is not weak if they just shut it down. No, it's a great point. I remember tracking during the season last season uh, targets between zero to 19 yards. I, I Tracking, I just went and looked at pro football focus numbers. <laughs> uh, zero to 19 yards in between the numbers. Uh, that K-State game, oh man, K-State killed Texas in between the numbers. Uh, zero to 19 yards, 80% completion percentage. Iowa State was over 80%. Texas Tech was over 80%. That it has been, you know, a, a weak point for Texas. And now, as you pointed out, with David Bender or Anthony Hill, you know, which one of those new guys is going to be in there, uh, that could be a point where Rice tries to exploit them, especially their strength going up against an uncertainty for Texas with that weak side linebacker spot opposite Jalen Ford. So that one, that one, we didn't necessarily talk about this, but maybe the plan for them is to is to get big personnel wise, but then try to match up McCaffrey on Hill, or another linebacker, mm. like get Texas to get their linebackers on the field, but then throw the ball to McCaffrey and uh, and to Bradley the tight end. Hmm. And they can move McCaffrey around, which they do all the time. Like I said, they put him everywhere. They do the orbit motion with him to get him in the backfield. And did the, and him as a swing guy, like you've talked about with Texas, Sark kind of uses that concept too. That, you know what, and I, I'm a firm believer in, you know, present power personnel packages and pivot to play action pass principles. So you present like you're going to be power, a power run team. They put all their – defensive personnel to match your power and then you just go you pass because then you got your one-on-ones you've already manipulated uh yeah. i didn't think about that bro but you might be on to something we're just trying to spitball and hypothesize how rice could be in this thing right that kind of stuff um and and also going back to it with luke mccaffrey one thing they do they and i think texas trust their guys one-on-one versus rice they will right they'll trust their guys one-on-one versus rice this if there's not a concern but something that tech that I think Texas should make sure that they emphasize defensively versus Rice. Rice is they got a lot of big plays on slants that I watched. Um, and they like to run RPO, so they'll have their tags, which are their uh, they'll run those skinny posts or those glance routes too. Texas last year, I, I'm, I'm sure you noticed it, Ian. They were really bad at defending inside leverage. It was, I, I don't understand exactly what was being taught. You know, they ran more of that match quarters coverage last season but man they gave up inside leverage a lot even when they were in man coverage here's a a stat for you that i kept up with because i was obsessed with it on slant routes alone last season slant routes texas allowed damn near 66 percent completion percentage on slant routes alone and 
they had a first down to touchdown rate of 43%. Like it, I, slants, for some reason, Texas gave up a lot of slant routes last year. I don't know exactly what was going on with it. Um, if you're Rice, I guarantee inside leverage is something Texas has given up. I don't know why they give it up so easily, um, but they, they're willing to give it up. The slant route is also the quick game. If I'm Texas, um, that's something you got to watch. I would overemphasize inside leverage in the quick game. Make Rice try to beat you over the top, which you know their athletes won't. I'm not saying they won't be able to do it, but they is a high. Yeah, exactly. The likelihood of it is very low. They're going to beat you over the top before you can recover and make a play. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what games. I'm trying to figure out what games it was where slants. Iowa State killed him on him a ton. And oh well, man. Yeah, I know was, something Iowa State did a lot of that. Oklahoma State. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think half those stats were from that Oklahoma State game. Oklahoma State, brother. Oh man. Let's Oklahoma if State. we can if we can put up uh, exhibit two. This is a formation that Iowa State used a ton against Texas. Um, ba- Baylor used it for a free touchdown when Texas blew the coverage. Mm. It's uh, you get tripod receivers on one side, maybe a tight end or a flex stock eye on the other. And uh, we talked about this in week one as something Texas could do. Yep. You get Luke McCaffrey at like the Z or um, off the ball as the H. And then you just kind of let him zigzag out of the tripod. You can't jam him. You got to figure out who's covering him live, you know, as the bullets are flying. And then it just gives him a chance to get some space, get a release, figure out who to juke, and then put on a move and go. And uh, you can run slants out of that. You can run angles, wheel. That one, I you, you highlighted this, and I think you're right. This one is going to be – Really, something to watch out for. That I'm glad you brought that tripod bunch. And you're right, Sark loves it too because it, it gives your receivers a free release. We talked about this about helping Xavier Worthy. You have to scheme him open, right? Uh, yeah, Rice uses that a lot, and they'll run shallow drags out of it. Uh, sometimes it's a flood concept to one side of the field, which is get this kind of layered routes. But they love that route, and they love that concept. And Texas last season. They also struggled defending bunch concepts, uh, clustered wide receivers, because at times the, the, the DBs are forced to read and react. And you pointed out when they read and react, they also have to communicate or even an unspoken communication about where the receivers are going to declare, where their routes declare based on their release. And Texas at times, they misread that. And oh, Iowa State was probably the worst example of Iowa State. They killed Texas with bunch formations. It was yeah. unbelievable last season. I, I remember looking at it where they targeted Texas. Well, anytime they targeted a bunch formation against Texas, I would say the average, uh, it, was over, it was close to like 70-something percent completion percent. It was crazy. Yeah, and also one thing in that formation I drew up, imagine that X is actually a tight end. So maybe they put their big tight end at the Y, they put Bradley, the smaller tight end at the X or, you know, whatever he's on the field. So then they present, like you said, they present a power formation, but then they're in a bunch spread set. So now Texas has got to defend it. Either they got to stay in nickel against power set or they got to go Anthony Hill, Jet Bush, whoever the same linebacker is. And now they got to defend that bunch set with, 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Anthony Hill, maybe. Like, that's, not, that's not great. It's not ideal. How many times do you have that, you know? That's not ideal. Yeah, I mean, that's just manipulating matchups. So I, I'm with you. That tripod, triangle bunch, however you want to describe it, that is definitely something to watch uh, against Texas or watch for Rice against Texas. Also, something I think is interesting, uh, Luke McCaffrey used to be a former quarterback. I'm just throwing this out there. Used to be a former quarterback, switched to wide receiver. They also have another guy, Giovanni Johnson, who's a quarterback, switched to wide receiver. I In that game versus um, Southern Miss, they attempted a double pass, just didn't work out. Texas is a very aggressive defense, a fast flow defense. Remember, uh, UTSA did this against Texas too. When they was it a double pass? Was it? They're gonna try it. They'd be stupid. Honestly, Ian, if I could put money on it in Vegas, I would do it. That double pass is gonna come at one point. They'd be crazy not to do it because Texas is so fast flow. There's no way Texas is thinking about it. And maybe they are thinking about it. Maybe they're watching on Texas football like they should. But if, if not, the guys are going to be so excited. They're going to be, trust me, the chomp, champion at the bit. And I, you might see the double pass early. Just throw it out there. Because they got two quarterbacks, former quarterbacks, playing receiver. Just throwing it out there. Right. Good call. <laughs> just throwing it out there. Um, because, yeah, Texas speed and aggressiveness, that's a way to use that against them. All right, so we covered Luke McCaffrey. He's a guy you got to look out for. I mean, he's going to be their focal point. They'll be trying to force feed him the football. Uh, and we also got into how the Texas DBs, they're going to be reading, reacting a lot. They're going to play a lot of tight twins, bunch formations. So they're going to force those guys to, they're going to, you know, force them to read and react rather than rerouting their wide receivers. That's one of their little cheat codes they like to use. You brought this up, Ian, when we were talking in the pre-show, and I totally agree with you, brother. Empty formation, they're going to use it. And I don't know, I, I would say, honestly, I would venture to say you might see at least 10 offensive snaps uh, for them out of empty formation. They use it against every game I watched. I saw a lot of it and they were successful because I think empty formation is just a successful formation period. But they were successful in out of empty formation. Texas will see it and they might see it plenty. Great way to hide Luke McCaffrey. Yeah, the, the only thing with it is that Daniels has got to be good in it and quick in it because that line of theirs. <laughs> is not gonna hold up very long and empty. Agreed. Agreed. So if, if it works and they can get the ball out, you'll see it a lot. Yeah. No, you're right. Because but if I, I would, and it just ends with Tavondre Sweat ragdolling JT Daniels down to the five. If you want to see it again. And to me, that's on JT because it's like, dude, your your internal clock's out of speed up. It's empty. Like you, there's nobody there to help you. Everybody rushing at you. They're they're gonna they're gonna get home. You got to get rid of the football and know where you're going with football. But you're right. If it does work, 
you'll see a lot of it. But if it does, I guess they probably could just decide to throw that concept out. I think one of the other concepts they really like is they'll go trips formation three by one, uh, motion to a two by two, and the motion man becomes the wheel man. They'll want a wheel route, and they'll use that other receiver as a seam route or a post route combo, and they'll kind of run that on both sides with their on that two by two. And I've seen them get big plays out of that, whether they're throwing to the scene or whether they're throwing to the wheel man. Uh, that's one of their favorite concepts. They really like that concept of going from trips to two by two, and it, it can help reveal what coverage uh, the opposing team is into. Yeah, I'd be Texas. I'd be tempted if I were Texas to play Jade Barron at safety in the bigger sets and just play man coverage. Totally agree. And bracket Luke McCaffrey, right? Yep. Yep. Like he's to me, he's a threat. Everybody else, you got to make them prove it. Um, even in empty formation, I would just I'd prioritize Luke McCaffrey. I think that's who they're trying to hide if they go empty, and they will go empty. I think that's one of the concepts they really like too. Um, all right, anything else about the the uh, the offense for Rice that intrigued you that you want to bring up? Uh, are you ready to move on to the the Rice defense? Which I gotta admit, not much to the Rice defense. Oh, <laughs> well, let's we'll talk their defense. All right, no, no, no. I I gotta tell you I, what I do like. I know I'm biased. I like the secondary. I do. I like this. The more I watch the, the Rice secondary, the more I like the Rice secondary, specifically the corners. Um, and I think that's really kind of how they build their defense. They they put a lot on their corners. I was surprised that they, and I, I don't know about you, and I, I actually was surprised they let their corners play some man-to-man, and they would actually let them play bump and run and not just not in not in situations that are you know conservative situations. They would do it in two-minute situation, they let them play bump and run, um, you know, basically in predictable passing situations. So they really like and trust their corners. Uh, one of them is Sean Fresh. I, he's from LBJ in Austin. I have no idea where he went in the bowl game because I didn't see him in the bowl game. So I'm not sure what his status is. And Rice, like a lot of teams, don't have a depth chart these days. So I, no idea. He's on the roster, but I don't know if he's the guy because they had three other corners that played in his place versus Southern Miss. No idea, but he's a good he's a good player. Um, but he's in he's a small player, he's five, he's basically you know, one of five, people. eight, one seventy-seven. Yeah. yeah, it's like you or me. <laughs> Honestly, you you I measured in at five eight and three quarters in the combine, so you, you're not that far off, Ian. Um, and the other guy's Jordan Dunbar. I like him, he's number three. Uh Jordan Fresh is number uh, sorry, Sean Fresh is number one, Jordan Dunbar, number three. He's a good player. Uh, I, I actually thought I, I was really impressed watching his film. He's pretty stable and he's been there the whole time. I never saw a, you know, another player rotating in his position. And they also have Gabe Taylor at safety or a slot corner. They use him at too, who is the younger brother of Sean Taylor. Didn't know that. The, the, the late Sean Taylor, I should say. Yeah. And he's a really good player too. Had two interceptions, six PBUs two forced fumbles and 60 tackles in 2022. He's a havoc player. He's a havoc minded guy. He makes plays. That's, you know, they, and they lost the guy. They lost actually their Viper, which is their hybrid safety linebacker. He, uh, Trey Sean Chamberlain, he transferred. So they lost a player, but that secondary is their strength. And you can run on this group. Um, and most teams decide they'd rather just run on them and not even test the secondary at all. Yeah. If we can get a, Exhibit one up for the people that I, the corners are good to your point. They can play man. Some of them will play press man. 
and that'll let them just kind of move the safeties all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they can either move the safeties all over the place to, to outnumber you somewhere, or they can do it to set traps. Um, one thing I would anticipate they would do quite a bit against Texas is, is get the pass. You want to give them a throw the ball look. Because if Texas runs the ball, even if Rice loads the box, it may not matter. Doesn't it's still matter. Like plowed. Yep. So you load the box, see if you can get Texas to check to a pass, and then you bail the safeties out, which is what I, I saw them do that against USC. That's what I see them. So I drew them up doing here. Just like maybe you, you show like you're going to slip all the safeties into the box and play cover one, and then last minute you drop back and it's cover two. Maybe the quarterback sees it, maybe he doesn't. But he drops back and what he thought would be his read or where he thought he would get a quick uh, opening, he doesn't. And then he's confused. Then he's holding the ball. The rhythm's gone. The timing's gone. Maybe the line gets beat after. Mm -hmm. And then things start to go bad. I think that it's the same as offense, right? Academic rice, they're going to try to outsmart you. Because they can't can't just beat you. They're on the bodies up front. And, I mean, I call it honestly coming from the bowl game, the run game, post Bijan and Rojo. It's been a while since we had an offense without those guys and the training wheels in the running game. Uh, be basically Texas in that, in that Washington game versus uh, Washington Alamo Bowl. 2.8 yards per rush. Need I remind everybody? Um, only 51 rush yards for Texas on 18 attempts. Uh, they really had no creativity, innovation, no juice in the run game at all. Uh, in this matchup, I'm really intrigued. And I, I'm with you. I don't think Rice can stop Texas at all. Rice Last season, 124th at the eighth highest opposing rushing average in yards per rush allowed with 5.3 yards per rush allowed last season. And they actually lost some guys up front in the transfer portal. I, I think that Texas can run at will on rights whenever they want to. I love your point that they want to they, they would love to give Texas a choice and, and, and pretty much influence them to, to throw the football. Like, hey, nah, man, we're going to give you one-on-ones. Don't you want these one-on-ones we're offering? These are easy one-on-ones. You have great skill players. Take the one-on-ones and hoping Quinn yours is off, that maybe they can rattle his cage a little bit, or that their secondary, which is the strength of their defense, just shows up and makes enough plays to keep them in the game, which I'm with you. I, I, I like their secondary. I think it's actually – it is actually the strength of that defense – uh, but their rush defense, 104th last season, uh, allowing 181 rush yards a game. Sark can just – he can run the ball if he wants to. And maybe he will decide it will be a boring opener, Ian. And I don't think that's – that's not – remember, Sark wants to be entertaining. He has almost said that out loud. He wants his offense to be aesthetically pleasing. He wants it to be entertaining and sexy. He doesn't just want to run down somebody's throat. He will do it if he has to, like Baylor last year or Kansas. He'll do it. But I think he'd rather be spectacular if he can. So I think he's going to throw it deep because they're going to play man coverage and he's going to take that bait every now and then and throw it deep. He just will. Yeah, I think I think he'd probably also like to just give Quinn some new Quinn, crew cut Quinn, <laughs> some, uh, some looks before he plays Alabama. Like, they're going to try to trick you. I'm going to try to set you up to take some shots anyway. Let's see how it goes. And let's, you know, test that out before, you know, we graduate to graduate level studies in Tuscaloosa. 
So. Hey, no doubt about it. Yeah, we're all looking forward to that. I think the cornerbacks, though, they're more preventative than playmaking. So even if you screw up, they don't make a ton of plays on the ball. They're, but they're just they're sticky. They're sticky in coverage is what I would say about them. Um, all right, before we wrap it up, I want to get your thoughts about the new rule changes. Uh, for those who don't know, and we saw a little bit of it in the week zero games or the opening week of college football, essentially some of the new rules uh, affect the clock. Uh, this year, aside from the last two minutes of each half, the clock will no longer stop at the first downs. Uh, the NCAA approved the rule change in an attempt to cut down on time. Uh, they wanted the games to be a little bit uh, sleeker. They wanted the games to be quicker to, you know, obviously be more palatable to the younger generations who attention spans have been affected by the dig digitized era that we're living in. Um, so according to, you know, a lot of people who watched the first week of college football, and I didn't watch a lot of it, it was it was a obvious impact. It was an obvious effect on the games where the games did seem like they were more concise. It did seem like the games were shorter, fewer possessions, fewer drives, fewer plays. Uh, what are your thoughts about how the rule changes ultimately will affect college football, you being a football theorist? I think it'll reward teams that can run clock with a lead. Um, you know, in the NFL, they say throw to throw to score, run to win. Um, but the NFL clock works differently. Yeah. Like in, in the big 12, if you tried to run the ball to sit on a lead and win, that was a bad idea. It was, right. that was a really tough way to win because the other team has, they could just create endless possessions for themselves. And then they were just going to load the box. And if you scored a couple extra touchdowns on big plays, well, whatever, they were going to try to create eight extra possessions anyway, you know? And so I, I think it'll change the Big 12 a little bit. I think it'll disincentivize teams that have been built to play that way. And I tell you what, I think it's going to have a big impact on this game because either Rice keeps it competitive and they just get into 22 personnel and just start trying to pound clock and, yeah. and score in the game. Yeah. Or Texas gets out to a lead and then they start running the ball and Rice is like, you know what, that's great. Let's get out of here. <laughs> White flag. <laughs> One way or another, this game is going to be fast. <laughs> and that's the whole point of the rules, right? They just want the games to go by quicker. And I'll admit, as a guy who watches film, which means I got to watch whole games, I am all for this rule. Yes. I'm not going to lie, man. You see, you, you watch a lot of games. You're a family man. You watch a lot of games. You realize, like, holy, holy Chicago, this game should be taking four, four plus hours in the Big 12. That's crazy. That's insane. Yeah, yep. And then the kids, <laughs> then the kids. They don't want to sit there with you for a few hours and then they want to go do something like, Hey dad, when can we go throw the football around? When can we go when are you gonna start the grill for dinner? <laughs> hey, a, hold on. Exactly. Another yeah, hour. Man. Got another hour of uh Oklahoma State and uh <laughs> here. I'm watching just third downs now, kids. Just third downs. Uh, give that a couple of hours. Yeah, no, man. I'm with you. I, 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 I'm about to be a dad. Trust me, man. I'm all about it. Let's make these games a little bit quicker. Uh, I will say this. I'll give you a quick stat before we get out of here. Sports Source Analytics, uh, they said for the week one possession possessions per game, they went and clocked it in 2021. Uh, possessions per game, 12.3. Uh, this is all for week one. Uh, in 2022, it was 12.6. And this past weekend, it was 10.9. So it's, yeah, 
it's going to have a huge impact on the games. There's no question about it. Bill Connolly, he says that he theorizes that you're going to lose over 5% of game time or over three minutes of actual game, you know, clock time, period. Like that's going to be just off of the game time where there's three, it's going to be three fewer minutes per game or 5% uh, of a, a basically a 5% impact on the game. So anyway, uh, it's going to have an effect. And I agree with your, uh, your point of view about teams deciding to choke the game out and milk the clock. All right. Uh, we're going to milk the clock. We're about to get out of here too. Hey, Ian, thanks for your time, brother. We appreciate it. I'll appreciate it. And uh, always a good time here on football theory. Yep. You guys just wait for next week. Yeah. When next we week, We'll be excited about like this. this week with rice. Next week is going to be intense. You got Alabama. No, the truth is, Ian is just like Texas. He spent no time on Rice this week. He's been watching Bama film for the last three weeks. He's putting in extra time for Bama. So we'll probably have a much longer show for the Bama show because both of us are really excited about that one. All right, uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Uh, join us for another edition of Football Theory right here on On Texas Football. Hook them.